Yes, sir. Good morning. I love that you're here this morning. I know some of you are visiting from out of town, some of you visiting from in town. Welcome, and we hope you'll come back and uh, join us. We hope you feel encouraged, and, and uh, we hope you feel a warm welcome this morning. We, we want to be a uh, family of uh, believers who uh, believe in this resurrection we're talking about and who uh, point no fingers, arms wide open, and uh, so we're glad you're here today. Thank you for coming. I love what Brian just did. I'm going to just blow that up just a little bit real quick because that was, that was so cool. And uh, so I'm going to ask this side over here, if you believe it, in just a minute, not yet, to say, he is risen, all right, not yet. And I want this side over here, if you believe it, to say, risen indeed, okay? You guys do believe this. Yeah, I know you do. All right, so on the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Well, I, I, uh, I wanted to do that because I believe that the words we say, uh, they, they do, they form us. They form uh, what we become. And so singing some songs and drinking some juice and eating uh, some, some bread, these things form us. And saying those words, they matter when we walk out of here. They change our hearts. And so thank you for participating today. I heard a, uh, I heard a silly story, I guess, about a, a man who went to the Holy Land, and he went, took his wife with him and her mother. So he's there with his wife and his mother-in-law, a little trying it a few times, you know, through the, through the thing as they went through the, the tours and all that stuff. But tragically, during the trip, his mother-in-law had a heart attack, and just fell dead right there in Israel. And so they took, uh, they took her, to, of course, to the undertaker, and the undertaker told them, well, you got a couple of choices. We can ship her back to the United States. It's going to cost a couple thousand dollars just for the, sh- the shipper. And, uh, or we can bury her right here in Israel, and it's a couple hundred dollars. And so, uh, you know, the wife was about to say something, and the husband just spoke up without even looking at his wife. He said, uh, we're taking my mother-in-law back to the United States. And he said, the guy said, wow, you know, what a, what a statement of love and devotion. And uh, he said, well, uh, I, what I heard was a couple thousand years ago, you guys buried somebody here, and three days later they, they got up, and I can't, I can't take that chance, okay? So, I've been kind of dinging on mother-in-laws a little bit lately. I don't know where that's coming from, because I love my mother-in-law, especially just in case she's listening online today. I love you so much, Connie. Awesome. What is Easter about? What is Easter about? It's about some historical events that happened 2,000 years ago about a man named Jesus who died on a cross. And the, the scriptures say that he died for your sin, for my sin, for the sins of the world. That he was buried and that on the third day that he raised from the dead and that 500 witnesses, 500 people, twice as many people as are here today approximately, saw him with their eyes. A historical event that happened 2,000 years ago. 
But Easter is not only historical. For God, Easter is very personal. Personal. Philippians 2 says in this hymn that they used to sing back in the first century, and Paul writes it down in the book of Philippians, and, and, he, and he says, um, he says, he, well, thank God it's still in the Bible because I can't remember what it says. So if you want to look at Philippians 2, I just forgot, I, I practiced, but uh, it slipped my mind. So Philippians 2, uh, it says, he, he says, talking about Jesus in verse 6, who being in very nature God, he was God. But he didn't consider equality with God something that he had to hold on to or grasp or keep. He let go of it. He made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being found in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a human being. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is the good news that they sang about in the first century. This, this story about, uh, about Jesus, he was God and he let go and he came here for you. He came here to give up all that so that he could be with you. And the next verse in Philippians says, Therefore, all that, Jesus did all that, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Put his name above every other name, that at the, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, or Jesus Christ is King. To the glory of God the Father. So you can, either, you can either recognize it, bow your knee now to Him as King, as Lord, or, or you can wait and you can do it later, but every knee is going to bow to the King, to King Jesus. And so it is personal. It is personal for God because He gave His Son because He loves you so much and He wanted to be with you. And so it's a question, who is King? But more precisely, it's a personal question for every one of you and for me today. Who is your king? What is this right here? We've been doing it for four weeks. What is this? A throne, okay? And so if, you, if you've been here, maybe you remember this. We've been talking about who sits right here on the throne of our heart or the throne of our lives. Who sits here? Is it King Jesus? The first week that we did this about a month ago, we said there is a king in other words, you have a king that sits on this throne. It might be Jesus or it might be someone or something else. But there is a king in your life. And by the way, guess what? There is a king over the whole universe, Psalm chapter 2 tells us. And, and instead of really going over all that again, let me, let me introduce a sister in Christ that last fall when I was thinking about doing this very series and I said something about king, Jesus, this woman walked up to me and said, I just wrote this poem. This is a Kayla Clifton who writes poetry. And I've asked her, I, when, she, when I saw it, I said, we got to hear that poem on Easter Sunday. And so Kayla and I have been looking forward to this since last October or November or something like that. And uh, I want you guys to give a huge, warm, uh, gateway welcome to Kayla Clifton. With a dry, a dry mouth. <laughs> this is told from the perspective of a travel agent or a rookie tour guide. 
the king. Welcome to ancient Israel travel, where we are excited to show our lands. Come with me as we visit ancient Israel to walk the land of prophets and kings. Yes, this is the place where angels sing. First stop, a shepherd's flock at night, where angels sang of a glorious sight. Look, there lies a baby in a trough unseen. Come closer, don't be afraid, for there sleeps a king. Imagine, if you will, as the years go by, <clears throat> a young boy talking to the priests and scribes, teaching them scriptures and what they mean. There, in the midst of them all, sits a king, working in a carpenter's shop at his father's trade, doing honest work for an honest day's pay. Through searing heat and muscle screaming, there, in the dust and wood chips, works a king, teaching and feeding 5,000 men or giving hope to women feared and scorned. This man was by the nation, this man was by all the nation to be seen. Listen, there speaks the king. Hanging on a tree outside Jerusalem is a man the priest wanted condemned. But to their shock and grief, his blood cleans the stain of sin. There, on that cross, hangs a king. The debt of sin by his blood was paid. Now we watch the world come to where he was laid. He's no longer there, but in heaven we see Christ, the ruling, eternal king. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a frozen computer. That's bad. That's not good. Well, uh, don't know if I can make this work. hope I can. Let's see. All right, let's see if this will work. Hey, it's going to work. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much, Kayla. I appreciate that. And um, that's, that's the whole the message of this series hopefully has been. There, this is an eternal king. He's the king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Hopefully we're being convinced more and more of that. The week after that, Carl spoke to us from Isaiah 6 about the king. He sits on the throne. He's sovereign. And then last week we talked about there is a king, and he sits on the throne and he's sovereign, but quite honestly, we hate the king. We hate his rule in our life. We hate that we have to come under his rule. We want to rule. And this week, this is what we talk about. We need this king. We need this king. God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for these few verses we're going to read. Thank you for the, the poem that Kayla brought to us this morning. We give you praise, God, for gifts that your children have and that we can encourage one another with those. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do good work this morning, great work in our hearts, and that if, if any of us today do not have King Jesus sitting on the throne of our heart, would you do the drawing? Would you do the convicting? Would you, Holy Spirit, please do the work of salvation today? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Psalm chapter 2 is our text. And just the end of it, the last three verses is what we're going to look at today. Therefore, you kings, this is talking to you, you, the king, the king of your life. The one who says, I'm in control. I'm my own person. I'm my own man. I'll make my own decisions. Nobody tells me what to do. He says, hey, listen up, all of you kings. Listen up. Be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This psalm is a call. It's a call to be wise. It's a call to be warned. Because there is a good, good king. And this this text tells us you can find refuge in him. But But make no mistake. Listen to me close. Make no mistake. You cannot find refuge from him. You can find refuge in him, but you cannot run away and find refuge from him. He cannot be escaped. One day you will face him face to face and you will answer for this decision. Did you make Jesus king of kings in your life? Did you make him Lord above all lords in your life? Did you make him your alpha and your omega? You will answer for this decision. And so the question is, is he your king today? Jesus said this. He said, oh, another frozen again. This is going to matter in a little while. Um, <laughs> So maybe what I'm going to do is just close this and because I need this at the end. And so, uh, boy. Uh, yeah, of course, I always want help. Okay, uh, that's good. I got it, Jay. Thank you. Uh, let me just get out of that and close that up. And you guys can look at, you can look at a bicycle for a little while. Okay, there we go. Jesus said this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You guys remember that? His yoke. What's a yoke? It's that, it's that deal that you put over an animal so that two animals go together. And Jesus says, climb inside this yoke with me. Put, put the yoke on. I'll be in the yoke with you, and I'll guide you. I'll lead you. I'll move you. I'll take you to the place that you need to go. I'll train you. And, and you may say, well, I I mean, I want, I want to do that, but I sort of don't want to do that because I want to do my own thing. But here's the deal. Part of what the Bible teaches us is you're yoked to something. If you're not yoked to Jesus, you're yoked to something else. You're yoked to money, or you're yoked to pleasure, or you're yoked to comfort, or you're, you're yoked to yourself. You're yoked together with something that owns you. And Jesus says, you want to get in this yoke with me because my Burden is light, and my yoke is easy. It's good. It's good to be yoked together with me. But it means that we have to give up and say, I belong to him. I'll do what he wants me to do. This idea of being yoked is strange to most of us because we don't have cattle, most of us. Few of you do, but most of us don't use a yoke. And so I, I think this is a great example. Maybe you know somebody who is excellent at the piano, a young person that's really good. They seem to be able to play the piano, not necessarily a prodigy or something that's going to be a brilliant, uh, you know, um, 
you know, master of all pianists in the world, but you, you see potential, and you think, wow, this kid is good. And, and so if they're going to be great at the piano, what does it take? It takes the yoke. It takes the yoke of practice and lessons and boring scales, if any of you ever played the piano, and drudgery of repetition over and over. It's the yoke. That's what it takes. And any of you who have learned to play an instrument or many other things in life that this would apply to, you know that something happens one day. All that drudgery and boredom and all repetition, all that, the shackles become freedom. The confinement opens up into big places because what happens is the scales become chords and the chords become songs and the songs become beautiful music and every musician in here knows that beautiful music does something beautiful inside of you. Something happens big inside of you. Your spirit can soar. There's this awesome stuff that happens that gives your heart wings But it all starts with the yoke. And he's king. And the question is, is he your king? Is he sitting right here in your life? Have you taken the yoke? The repetition, sometimes the boredom, sometimes the drudgery of following Jesus. Have you taken it? Because if you have, he's your king. He's your king. See, we understand this for music and sports and school. The yoke, yeah, we get it. We make our kids do their homework and practice, and we take them to baseball practice and football practice, and we applaud them when they make the team and when they make the grades and when they get the first chair. But do we, take, do we make them take the yoke of Jesus? Are we giving them the example of taking the yoke of Jesus? Are they watching that in front of us? Because if we do, even though it's hard and it's tiring, it will lead to beautiful things in our soul. Sometimes we see a person. Think about this. Sometimes you see somebody around you. You know somebody. Maybe it was your grandma. Maybe it's someone here in this church. Maybe it's someone in the church where you attend. But you know somebody and you see them and, and they just seem to stay in step with the Spirit. They're such a good Christian and they love people authentically. And they have this endless supply of joy. And you look at that and you say this. You look at that person and you go, I wish I could be like that person. Well, take the yoke. That's what they did. They took the yoke. And and a lot of times what happens then is, It just gets too hard, it gets too boring, too repetitious, too mundane. And after a few weeks, we find that our wish was just exactly that. It was a wish. Because there's a difference in a wish and a want, a desire deep in our soul. If you want the king, if you want to follow this carpenter who loved like no one else has ever loved, this Jewish rabbi who taught like no one else has ever taught, if you want to follow this man who died in your place and conquered death, something that no one else has ever done, If you want that, the yoke, take the yoke. 
Are you wearing the yoke? If you are, then he's your king. And the result is that this good king will bless your life in ways you can't even imagine today. To quote Timothy Keller, he says, If we come under the rule of this king, our lives will blossom in places we didn't even know there were buds. That's what we'll find. We'll come under the rule of this king. So I'm going to give you, just real quickly, from Psalm 2, if you want to look there in Psalm 2, I'm going to give you real quickly four very brief things so that you can heed this warning and submit to him as your king. Here they are. The first one is this. You want him to be your king? Do you want that? You want to come under the yoke? Then obey him. That seems pretty, pretty self-explanatory. He says, don't lie. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Obey him. If he says, only sleep with your spouse... Only sleep with your spouse. If he says, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to forgive people. Well, forgive people. He says, when you're mad at someone, I want you to go talk to them face to face. Don't talk about them. Well, go do it. Obey him. Now, we're not talking about perfection here. That's the whole message of the Easter Sunday. That's the whole message of the cross. That's the whole gospel. You can't be perfect. You cannot be perfect on your own. But there's a difference in a person who submits to a king and a person who just wants, listen to me, a consultant. Which one is he for you? Is he a consultant? Oh, I'll obey Jesus. I'll obey him if this is going to work out, if it's pragmatic. I'll obey him if, if it's popular. I'll obey him if it's convenient for me. I'll obey him if... I'm going to tell you this. He will not be treated that way. He won't be treated that way. He will not be just one counselor that's available in your life among many because he's a king. And he's not going to do that. And he's not just any king. He's the king who died for you, who left heaven. He's the one who gives you the hope and the gift of eternal life. Kings don't die for their subjects. And he didn't have to die for you. He didn't have to. He chose. He chose that. And he will not be treated like a consultant. How dare you treat him that way? He's a king. He's the king of kings. No matter what he says, do what he says. We need this good king. Secondly, verse 11 says, rejoice with trembling. Submit to him. This one's a little harder for me. Obey him. Okay, I can try. But here, here's, submit to him. Rejoice with trembling. When you're trembling... When life has you trembling, when the circumstances are falling apart, when things are happening to you that are not fair, when there is pain in your life, when there is discomfort, when there are things that are crushing you, are we willing to submit to the sovereignty of the king and say, you know best. I trust you as king of my life. I give these circumstances to you, and I'm going to beg you to change them, but I give you these circumstances knowing you have the power to change them. And I'm, I'm just going to submit. I may be uncomfortable. It may be unfair. It may be difficult, painful. But I'm going to rejoice with trembling because you are my king and you're a good king. We need this king. Will you obey him? Will you submit to him? In Psalm 2, verse 12, will you rely on him? The Bible says, kiss the king. Kiss him. Rely on him for your life. 
What is it that you love? What is it that you want so much? If there's anything that you add to Jesus in order to be happy, you say, I know I got Jesus in my life. That's important. That's, that's a big deal. But also, I got to have this. Fill in the blank. Whatever this is, that's really your king. That's your king. Because the Bible is saying to us, be ravished by this king, his love, his character, his face, his kisses to you. Find your life in him. Rely on him. And if you do that, you don't, you, 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 there, it doesn't mean you, there's nothing else you want in life. But if you don't have anything else, it's okay. Because you rely on him. You come to him in love with him. And the last thing is this, number four, expect. Verse 12. Verse 12, it says, blessed are those who take refuge in him. Expect him to do great things. If you take refuge in something, if you get under something because you want to get out of whatever's dangerous and you want to be covered, you expect that you're going to be protected, you're going to be helped, you're going to be saved. And I have to ask you, do you expect that Jesus is going to act on your behalf? Do you expect that today? When you think about the things in your life, do you ever go, well, that's never going to change. It'll always stay the same. It's never going to be different. I'll never overcome this. This situation will never... Well, who's your king? If it's the king of the universe, do you think he can change things in your life? Do you think he can act on your behalf? Because if you say, no, not really, then you missed the king. You, yeah, you got Jesus, but you're not seeing that he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega. We need this king. Psalm 2 is partially a warning. There's words there. It speaks of fear, and it speaks of trembling, and anger, and wrath. And that's important because if you follow your own way, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to what? It leads to death. Whatever that other king you sit down on the throne of your heart right here, whatever it is, besides Jesus, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. It will poison your life. And so these words are appropriate when we consider the power of whoever we put as king in our life. We need to be warned. And fear is important. The Bible says that fear is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's where we start with the Lord. But, but I'll tell you this, seeing the beauty of the king and knowing how good he is, how awesome, that will sustain your relationship. If I could just, if I could just describe him somehow to you today, how good and awesome and amazing and big and loving and holy and beautiful he is. I just, I think I'm going to need a little bit of help. And I hope I'm going to get it from my computer today. I don't know if I will or not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to check before uh, I, I give you an introduction. Because that would be kind of, yeah. Let's see if it will work. It looks like it's going to. So, here's the deal. You guys have heard this guy before, probably. A lot of you have heard this guy before. Dr. S.M. Lockridge was a black pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California for over 40 years. He just died about a decade ago. But he's most famous for this sermon that he did. It's the last five minutes of the sermon when he describes, This is my king. 
Some of you have heard this. It's been put to music. It's been put to videos that have all kind of graphics and stuff. And this has some graphics. But what I've wished for is when I've heard this over the years, I've thought, I wish I could have been there that day. I wish I could have been sitting in the audience that day and listening to Dr. Lockridge describe his king. And through the miracle of YouTube, this is about as close as I'm ever going to get right here. And so I want to encourage you to be inspired as you listen to Dr. Lockridge describe his king. The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. David said the heavens declare the glory of God. And the fundament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. His office is manifold. 
His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him for you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't even beat him, and he's not going to resign. That's my Here's the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. The glory is all his. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever, and ever, and ever. And when you get through with all of the forever, then amen. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my king. Stand up. We're going to say it all together on the count of three. That's my king. You ready? Nice and loud. One, two, three. That's my king. And I'm telling you this today, if he's not your king, if he's not your king, you can leave here today with him sitting on the throne of your heart. And it's been my prayer as we've gone through this series. It's my prayer for anybody who's listening, anybody who's listening to his word who has not made him king. The same prayer that Paul prayed. I'm going to pray it right now for us. God in heaven, Jesus our Savior, the Holy Spirit who convicts and moves and guides, I pray that out of your glorious riches that you will strengthen us with power through your Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray it in the name of the one who died for me, the one who I'm trusting completely 100% for my salvation, the one who rose from the dead and who gives me the gift of eternal life. I pray it in your name, Jesus. I love you, King Jesus. I pray it in your name. And everyone said, Amen. If you're ready today to make him king, if you're ready today to be baptized into Christ, I invite you, come and we will celebrate forgiveness of sins. We'll celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit with you in the waters of baptism. You come while we sing. Brian. Word.